Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and this is Brian, and today I am speaking with a geologist in the UK by the name of Lucy Crane. Lucy, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, my my pleasure. And um, Lucy, maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your uh, years maybe leading up to your college days? Yeah, so absolutely. So whilst I was at school, I really enjoyed subjects such as science and maths. And um, I actually really loved geography as well. But no one in my family comes from a geology background. So it wasn't something I really thought about before. But when I decided that I wanted to go to university and started looking at courses that were around you, you know, you go on open days to different universities and see what courses are what courses are out there. And I always find myself gravitating towards the geography courses. But then you find out more about them, and there was just so much human geography in it. And at school, the only kind of human geography we'd studied was tourism, and to be completely honest, it quite dull. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was my dad actually who suggested. He was like, "Oh, why don't you look at geology?" Um, I think my immediate reaction was like, but geology is just looking at rocks. <laughs> Why would I really do that? <laughs> and, um, yeah, but they say, what, your parents always know best. And, yeah, um, right, right. Yeah, looked into it in a bit more detail and saw that actually you get the opportunity to do some pretty cool field trips and it kind of seemed like physical geography. And that, that swayed it for me. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, what school did that take you to then? So I did my undergraduate in Earth Sciences at Oxford University, which I feel pretty privileged to have been to. It was a fantastic place yeah. to be. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. And, and um, then you went on to get a postgraduate degree? Yeah, so once I finished my four years in Oxford, I went on to do a postgrad in mining geology at the Camborne School of Mines. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, during my time in Oxford, I'd done an internship one summer with BP, mm. and, I was, and I was in their exploration team because halfway through my degree, I decided that actually geology was pretty cool. I seen some good opportunities, and I really wanted to, you know, try and get a job afterwards that used my degree. So I went and did this internship with BP for the summer, and I was on their exploration team, and I was really excited, and I met some lovely people, but I spent the entire three months sitting looking at a computer and picking out seismic lines. <laughs> this has got to be something more interesting to do than this. No, I want, I want a field trip. I want to go out and see some rocks here. <laughs> exactly. And rocks that aren't just sand. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that was in their, their petroleum division then? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Working on some projects offshore of Angola. Okay. Okay. And uh, what... Uh, what did you do when you got out of college? What was your career path like? 
So I finished my master's and I got a job with a company called Alta Strategies and they are based in the UK but all of their projects are dotted across Africa and it was an amazing place to start my career because I mean we had projects in different commodities in places like Morocco and Ethiopia and I was lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time doing some field work out in both of those places. Okay, great, great. And uh, what led you to the, the position you're in now? So my current position is I'm a senior geologist at Cornish Lithium and I also managed to do a bit of the business development side of things as well, which is really interesting. So I have actually been with Cornish Lithium for just over two and a half years now, hmm. which has gone very quickly. It feels like it's just gone in a flash. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's a really, really exciting project and it's a really lovely team of people. So we've got a lot going on actually at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So just tell me just a little bit about the lithium deposits there. Is it the brine deposit or is it in hard rock or clay or what's the host? Yeah, so we are looking for both. So our main focus is on exploring for lithium that's contained within these geothermal waters that circulate naturally at depth beneath the rocks in Cornwall. Um, and if we kind of wind back a little bit, Cornwall is down in the southwest of the UK and it's underlain by the Cornubian batholith. So it's a big lump of granite that's about 270, 290 million years old. And when this granite was intruded, it drove the de deposition of the tin and copper mineralization that Cornwall is famous for. But the granite's actually also pretty hot. It's got some high, high, well, high heat producing elements in it. And it's also relatively enriched in lithium compared to most granite compositions worldwide. Hmm. So as you know, you've got a hot granite and it's enriched in lithium and deep ground waters have been circulating through it for tens of thousands of years, probably longer as well. And um, as they've been doing so, what we believe at the moment is that they've effectively been picking up the lithium from the mica minerals that's in the granite and concentrating it in these, in these deep geothermal waters. So our main exploration target at the moment is looking at where we can intercept these deep geothermal waters. And I don't know if you know much about Cornwall, but it's got this amazing mining heritage. Um, first it was famous for copper, then it was famous for tin, and it's been mined for hundreds of years. And all around the county, you've got these Cornish engine houses and they're quite iconic oh. Oh, okay. and, they kind of then, um, and then when because when mining collapsed in Cornwall at various times throughout history Cornish miners the Cornish diaspora kind of spread out across the world to you know South America Australia mm -hmm. Africa and the kind of typical engine house design in so many of these places is all based on what a typical Cornish engine house looks like so oh. brilliant and like empanadas in Argentina and South America, I'm pretty sure that they're based on the Cornish pasty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I lived in uh, in a place called Elko, Nevada, uh, which is in the western U.S., and and we had a Cornish pasty store oh, really? there. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, they they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But so, so these, so the reason that these engine houses are dotted all across Cornwall is because they needed to dewater the mine. So they had these big pumps in, and they were artificially lowering the lowering the water table. And a lot of the water that was being pumped out was meteoric, so kind of rainwater that's trickled down. But actually, a pretty significant amount of that water that they were pumping out was from these hot springs that used to plague the deep mines. Ah. And it's these hot springs that are enriched in lithium, and that's what we're targeting. And so, in 1864, that was actually the first time that lithium was identified in these hot springs in Cornwall at depth. Mm. Um, a guy called Professor Miller from King's College in London, he did some geochemistry on these hot springs, and there was a lot of research done into these hot springs in the 1800s because you know they made working conditions pretty unbearable at depth in the mines. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. You know, they, could be, they could be 50 degrees Celsius or higher, high flow rates and nearly 100% humidity. People could only work at some of the rock faces for 15 mm. minutes a time. Wow. So mm. he, he took some samples back to London with him, did some geochemistry on it, and he actually wrote a paper in 1864 where he basically said, these hot springs could be a potential source of lithium if only we had a use for them. <laughs> so, huh. fast forward 150 years, here we yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a very interesting history. I, w I wonder what the lithium was first used for. So, it used to be used um, as part of ceramics, as a pottery glaze, but it's also been used in history as, you know, in part of the air conditioning units of submarines during the Second World War. Um, it's also been used as a treatment, I think, in the pharmaceutical industry for depression for quite a long time as well. But yeah, it's obviously the lithium ion battery that's been a real game changer in the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's quite interesting. And a, a lot of the listeners have probably heard of you. I don't know if they would recall your name. But you gave a very inspiring TED talk, or specifically a TEDx talk. It was called Mining Our Way to a Low-Carbon Future. And in that talk, you, you posed the question, I'm an environmentalist and I work in the mining industry. Am I a hypocrite? And I think that you answered that question extremely well. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, certainly. So, what uh, there's there's not that many people that get invited to give a talk like that. What led you into that arena? Well, so I actually, uh, so I actually applied to go onto it, following a rant I just had. It I was I've been, been I've been in London and I'd met up with some friends. Yeah. And I think it was a friend of a friend who was there and I'd said, Oh, I you know, I'm a exploration geologist, I work for a mining company and this person has said, Oh god, you're an awful person, how on earth can you do that? You say you care about the environment, but you work for a mining company and it just makes there's just such a short sighted view. And I basically ended up having this rant. Well, it's not, it's not quite a rant. It, I've shaped it into, into the talk that I actually finally <laughs> yeah. gave a TED. Yeah. But yeah, so many people just have 
you know, there's such a disconnect between people realizing what they're using in their day-to-day lives, what makes modern society civilized, and um, and where it comes from. And it's something I find really frustrating is when people immediately jump to a conclusion that you work in the mining industry, therefore you must be a bad person. Whereas actually, to argue that you know you need people who care about the environment to be working in these industries and changing things for the better. And so. I'd just come away from the pub where I'd had this rant <laughs> and this yeah. person. Yeah. I think they've taken it on board actually, but you know, and your your blood's up a little bit. And an advert popped up on Instagram for this TEDx event that was happening in Truro, <laughs> which <laughs> is just road from me in Cornwall. And so I thought, oh, TEDx sounds interesting. I went on their website, and they had a little button saying apply to be a speaker for next year. And so I clicked on it, wrote my little application, which was basically that rant I've just had. And um, yeah, and then they got in touch saying, actually, we've got some, we've got a spare speaker slot for the event in a couple of weeks time rather than the one next year. I don't suppose you'd be interested in doing that. So so I said, "Uh, yes. And yes, they had to quickly cobble together a slightly more coherent speech and try and learn it. Oh, what two weeks to prepare for a talk like that seems like a, a insufficient amount of time uh, based based on the presentation that you gave because it it looked like it was incredibly well practiced. Oh, thank you. I think the dog heard a lot of it, but nobody else. <laughs> how do how do you go about preparing for a talk like that? That's a difficult question. I think for that talk and for talking, you know, on the subject of how the mining industry is so important for society and how, you know, as an industry, we need to do better at communicating that with people. It's something that I really care a lot about. I'm pretty passionate about it. And so I've kind of got a lot of nearly formed thoughts about it anyway. So. Mm. Preparing for something like that was okay, yeah. though. I have to say, I put a lot more time and effort into preparing for that than anything I have done before that's involved speaking. The TED format goes against um, the format of most of the conferences that we attend, where the speaker stands behind a podium and has 50 or 60 PowerPoint slides. In a, in a TED talk, some people give some slides, but it's not very normal. You know, we kind of like to hide behind the artwork and the podium at yeah. the same time. Oh, it's, yeah, it's much more daunting when you can't do that. Yeah. You feel a lot more vulnerable up there, Yeah. especially because the audience weren't a mining industry audience at all. So I feel like having that kind of conversation <laughs> when you're talking to fellow people in the mining industry is kind of preaching to the choir. Yeah. We all get it. We know yeah. how important it is. And actually, most of us are doing a pretty good job now Whereas talking to people who don't come from a mining background, it's it is slightly more daunting. And actually, I had I had a girl come up to me at the end of it who was really lovely, and she said, "I was that person who thought that the mining industry was really bad, but I've got a phone and I drive a car, and we need to do this thing responsibly instead, don't we?" So yeah, yeah. So even if it just made that one person change their mind, I think that's yeah a pretty neat outcome. That that is a pretty neat outcome, and. You know, there there are probably some aspects of mining that'll be curtailed at some point in the future, but we can't we can't recycle our way into uh, renewables. Um, 
No, and I mean, there's that statistic from the World Bank that I think I referred to in the TED talk, which is something along the lines of in the last 5,000 years, we've mined about 550 million tons of copper, and they reckon that we need to mine that in the next 25 years to meet the demands from low carbon technologies and growing populations around the world. Yeah. This is yeah. pretty huge. Yeah, that's uh, it is. It's uh, almost an overwhelming amount of copper that needs to be produced and fortunately, fortunately there are a lot of copper mines that are very close to being brought on board and yeah there's some enormous copper operations in latin america too yeah but it just it just highlights doesn't it that actually even if we become perfect at recycling if we can have a perfectly circular economy it can never be perfectly circular if we want to continue to develop new technologies and accommodate population growth. We just simply haven't got enough material in circulation. And obviously, we all need to be reducing what we're using and things like that. But there's a long way to go. Yeah, we, we can recycle one smartphone and make one other smartphone out of it. But we can't make wind turbines out of a couple of cell phones. <laughs> no. No, not at all. Okay. Well, I, I, I actually should have said uh, near the start of this part of the, the podcast that anybody who's not yet watched that TED Talk should pause the podcast and go look at the TED Talk now. And and uh, so I'll, I'll uh, just chime in once again. Just um, Google TEDx and Lucy Crane and that Google search should turn up with that, that TED talk. And I was, I was trying to figure out how many views that has had, and I, I didn't see how many views, but I would imagine that it's, in at least in our mining world, it's kind of gone viral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've been, it's been amazing, actually, the response to it so far. Very lucky. Yeah, and uh, are you getting some notoriety because of that? a small way actually yeah I went to um, the so there's a Cornish mining sundowner that happens every every month down here and I turned up at the pub a couple of weeks ago and was chatting to a lady who's really really lovely and she was over visiting from Kazakhstan oh. and she halfway through talking she was like I recognize you from somewhere Oh really? I, said, I, really, I was like, I really don't think we've met before. And then she's like, oh, that's it. You did that TED talk. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm famous in a pub in Truro anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I see on YouTube it's been viewed over 7,000 times, but I'm not. Really? Much, yeah. Oh, wow. And, yeah. There, there must be, you can also look at it directly from the TED. Um, platform I would think yeah yeah so that's pretty that's uh, pretty impressive that's really cool so Lucy I appreciate you spending your time with us and and uh, talking about your your uh, TED talk is there anything else you wanted to talk about today um I just wanted to mention briefly actually um, the work we do with women in mining and the young mining professionals here in the UK uh, ah. uh, there's a real groundswell of talented young 
young mining professionals and also kind of we're getting more and more females into the industry as well which I think is brilliant um, that people seem to do some really good things to kind of nurture young talent and attract them into mining industry so just wanted to mention that yeah that that's great a lot of people think that it's a brutish kind of a industry to be in but there are a lot of um, positions that take very talented and intelligent people uh, uh, you know whether it's examining rock core or programming uh, all the way to the, the haul trucks and, and drill rigs and everything else so there's uh, a wide variety of opportunities for people from all different backgrounds yeah absolutely and I think that's one of the things one of the best things about working for Cornish lithium actually is we've got a really we've got a really great really smart young team of people and um, yeah doing really good things yeah fantastic okay well Lucy I will let you get back to your day I really appreciate you coming on here and, and spending some time with us and I hope everything goes well for you in the future and I look forward to your next TED talk <laughs> thank you very much for having me really yeah. appreciate it yeah certainly certainly Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.